Monday of the Rebuilders series that we've been doing. We spent 12 weeks, including this week's, going through Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah. And so we bring this to a land uh, this morning. Um, but can I pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Zechariah and John's vision of the heavenly city where you dwell, where your glory is the light, where your life flows from and brings life and healing to the nations, to all people. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace and love and generosity, and that from you, even this morning, for pray, Lord, even as we, even as we go through um, some points that you would stir us, that you would move us uh, even closer to your will and what you are doing with us as a people, and what you're doing with us as individuals, in Jesus' name. Amen. About a, uh, we knew that we were going to need to start moving. Um, my wife and I live in, in Pinetown at the moment, and uh, we knew that we wanted to move down this side of the world as we um, got more involved with Harbor City. And so we started getting our house ready, doing building projects, and I, I don't know uh, if anyone's done a building project at all, is that they're far easier in concept than execution. Like, the ideas are easy. You're just like, oh, we'll just do this and do that and this. And then you get a budget and you're like, okay, well, we'll scrap that and scrap that and scrap that and we'll just do this. And then you actually have to do it. And, um, so a year down the line, we're still not finished. Um, and uh, it's, it's just been a, a difficult process going from one thing to the other, finding the energy. Um, you, you execute one part of the plan, and, uh, and then you just like feel tired. You're like, I don't think I can do this again. Like our garden, I was like, I'm going to get our garden ready. You know, the grass needs work, and I'm going to like aerate the soil and get the weeds out, and you know, get one set of weeds out, and all of a sudden there's like 10 other sets of weeds, and you don't know where they came from. Uh, building is hard, and, um, and we've gone through a series where we've mentioned a whole bunch of ideas uh, around kind of rebuilding and building, and we've mentioned that Harbor City coming out of COVID, coming out of the riots, coming out of transition, coming out of a whole different dynamics, Harbor City has radically changed uh, in, the, in the last couple years, and there's a need to rebuild. Uh, we just have to look around our city and we realize there's a need to rebuild post-riots, post-flood, post-COVID. Build. I think some of us, if we had to be honest, would look at our lives post-COVID and some of the stresses and the anxieties and working from home and going back to the office and uh, all, all different dynamics or, or watching friends move out of the city or whatever it is that you've faced over the last few years. You're probably looking at some of your life and going, there's a need to rebuild times is a little bit harder than we think 
just by talking about it. And as we come to a land, I think like I want to acknowledge that, that this is a difficult process. But I also want to stir us that as we've talked about rebuilding for 12 weeks, and as we come to the end of the year, and you know how the end of the year is, you're having end of year parties, some of us are going on holiday, some of us are taking leave, there's Christmas, there's New Year's. Like my hope is that as we come into the end of the year and go into next year, that it's we don't just forget about the fact that we need to rebuild, um, but that even our own hearts and uh, like rekindled over this time, so that as we go into 2023, we can really. But we get to this part in in the kind of narrative. We've covered a lot of things, and I'll touch on a few of the things that we cover. But we get to this part where I call this the tension between two cities, um, and I want to just highlight a couple things on this and then give us like four points for us to practically think about uh, as we move forward out of this series. But the first thing that I want to touch on is that this really is a story of a tale of two cities. It's a, it's a story of Zechariah right at the beginning of the story prophesying about this city, this glorious city. He's stirring the people to build the temple. He's, stor- he's stirring the people to imagine a flourishing, full uh, city of God, a, a city filled with the life of God. As the narrative goes on, is that just doesn't materialize. So what we see is Zechariah prophesies a city without walls. Uh, what does Nehemiah do? Walls. Zechariah prophesies a, a city filled with people. Uh, what does Nehemiah do? He forces a tithe across the whole of Israel to bring people to the city because it's so empty. Uh, what we see o- over time, he, what Zechariah prophesies is a city of diversity that talks about in Zechariah 8, that people from all languages will come, will hold on to the garments of one Jew and say, take us to your God. We know that God is in your city. What does Zechariah do? He creates a city of exclusion, a a city where only certain people, the remnant that have come from Babylon, to live. What we see as we land at the end of the story is we see a tension between the hope of what the city would be and the reality of what the city has. It is, I think as we mentioned in the third sermon, the story is anticlimactic. It's anticlimactic because you get to the end of it and you go, is that it? Like, is that it? Is that what we were hoping for, like you get to the end of uh, Nehemiah 13, it's gone through the whole of the narrative, uh, and the end of Nehemiah 13 literally ends with Nehemiah saying, remember me, O Lord. It's like, I've tried, did a good job, but Lord, please remember me, like remember some of my effort. It's not like, hey God, look at this great thing we've done. It's like, you'll remember me, O Lord. Like, I mean, I might be praying that for Harbor City one day, like, O Lord, remember me. Like, we just didn't quite get there. The idea is that sometimes the building is anticlimactic, and we live within this tension of the hope of what Zechariah is prophesying 
up of what Zechariah is dreaming up, this prophetic picture of what we believe the city of God is to be, both Zechariah and then John expanding on that in Revelation. But the, the dream of what the city of God would be, what, people, what the people of God would live in, we live between the tension of the hope and the reality of right now. And as we land that tension right now, the hope of what Harbor City would become and the reality of what Harbor City is right now, the hope of the city that Durban can become and the reality of the Durban we face right now, the hope of what the work of our hands will achieve and the reality of what they've actually produced. We live within that tension all the time. But... We are called not to be defeated. One of the purposes of the book of Revelations is to stir a people through persecution to believe that God is accomplishing his great work in the midst of incredible political turmoil that they are living in. Revelation is, is uh, a book not so much prophesying about the future, as uh, the commentators say. The book of Revelation is, is apocalyptic, which means it's like John is tearing open the curtain so you can see what is going on behind the scenes. And he's saying, hey guys, don't get discouraged because we're not living in that right now. If we tear open the curtains, we can see God is still at work. We are the points of hope. And you'll be like, yo, we're not there yet. Like, we're not even close there. And my hope is that, yeah, we're not there. But if we tear open the curtains, uh, we'll see that God is at work helping us move from the reality that we're in, the tension between the reality that we're in and the hope that we long for, that God is tearing open the curtains and stirring us to move forward towards God's dream of what the community of God will look like. Zechariah paints a picture of a city without walls, an expansive city, a city that is attractive, that cannot be contained, a city in which people from all uh, spheres of life, from people from all um, societies come to. Zechariah is painting a picture of God, the hope for which we long for, and the hope for which we believe that God's church would become some. And so I, I want to just give us four points around of the city of God build. Four things to challenge us on, to go into 2023 saying, yes, Lord, um, something this, this, loving, Christ-centered, gospel-believing community. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, but basically that we would become a God-filled community, a city of God, God-loving, Christ-centered, gospel-believing community. There is a temptation for us to believe utopia. There's prosperity and flourishing. There's a, there's a temptation for us to believe reality that we see in the adverts and on social media, and, and that we're like, yes, this is what we want our lives to be, a, a life of just like, there is no problems, there's no tensions, we all are, are flourishing, we all have enough money, we all live in big homes with uh, fine spreads of food and Botoxed faces that don't get old, you know, like, we, 
like this is sometimes what we believe, like, and sometimes when we think about Durban, the city in which we live in, we can think the same thing. Oh, you know what? It would be really great if... I could go into the CBD of Durban and the cities were, and the streets were clean and there was no problems and uh, there was no crime and, uh, the, you know, the potholes. I've got this massive pothole in front of our driveway. It's really inconvenient at the moment to get into my driveway. I have to, like, you know, wind through two different potholes because my wheel can only make it between that, that one gap without me going in there. Like, every time I go out my driveway, I'm like the dream the Ferrara Road was retarded. Like, there's a temptation to believe, like, this is the hope. Hard road, a clean street, no crime, no issues, prosperity, asking for something. And we think that this is the vision that God is hoping for. And there's a part where brokenness is not a reality of Zion. But the real reality of what we're hoping for is a city where God is. It's a picture. He says, we do not need a city with, our, with walls because God will be our protection and he will dwell in no need for power, no need for industry, no need for light because God would be the center, the dwelling of it. He will be the source, the life, the emanating life at the center of the city. The city that we hope for is a city with God in it. It's not a city of perfection. It's not a city of like, hey, everything just works. I come to church in the hope that maybe all our morals will be fixed and then we can just live in this perfect utopia and put God to the sidelines. The city that we hope for, the church that we hope for, is a church where God is emanating at the center, where his light is shining out, where his life becomes the source of life for all of us. John Calvin says this, the city that we hope for is a city in which the joy of the Lord is the joy of every person. That is God-loving, Christ-centered, gospel-believing. We long to be a community of God just a community of niceties, not just a community where everything works, not just a community where we don't have potholes, not just a community where there's no frustrations and irritations, a community where God's life is our life. Interesting things about John when he paints the picture of Zion is Christ is seated at the center with the Father, but he is pictured not just seated there in glorious king in his glorious kingship. He is pictured seated there as the Lamb. God in the community is the gospel son, the son who gave himself for us, that even our citizenship into the community is not because of ourselves, it's because of the lamb who sits at the center, the lamb who gave himself for you and I. Our God, Harbor City, as we move forward month after month, year after year, as we move forward, that Jesus is at the center of what we do in the hope of, of things becoming right, in our longing for a community of flourishing, longing that we would be a community knitted together, that we never forget that Christ is at the center, that Jesus is at the center, that loving God comes first.
that uh, week after week for and pray, be together in community, to break bread, to fellowship. The church has come together, and it's come together Sunday after Sunday because we want to put Christ at center. The church gathered on a Sunday, Sunday as uh, the Jewish Sabbath was, it gathered on a Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. It was the day of Jesus' resurrection. And so the church got together Sunday after Sunday on the Lord's Day to celebrate, to make sure we put Him first. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's not many other places we sing songs at the moment. So coming to church on a Sunday and singing songs could be really weird. If, if you haven't been brought up in a church and you, you might come on Sunday, you're like, what are these guys doing? Why are they all singing? Someone's raising their hands. That's freaky. Someone's clapping. Should I clap? La, la, la. What was it, Eugene, that you say? Like, it, it can be confusing. But why do we worship? We sing to celebrate God and our souls that God is primary. We pray. Next year, we've got more structured prayer slots that we want to the church and we want to get together more to pray because prayer is us coming to God, putting our reliance on God. It's us uh, having relationship with God, rem- remembering God as a person and us as people respond to Him in word. He speaks to us through His word and we commune with Him in prayer. It's why we have preaching, why we open up the Scriptures. Imagined was not just a flourishing city, flourishing city of God, city of God, not just a city where everything works, a city where God is at the center, the emanating life of all His people. Be an inclusive community. Inclusive is, is the right word here, but one, one of the the things that I, I love about Zechariah 8 is as you read Zechariah 8, I'll read that passage now because it's just such a, a beautiful passage. People from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you. God is with you. vision of a community where people from all languages, all people groups, will come together to God, to see God. We want to be, to be a community of all people. In Acts, of, as you start reading through Acts, Peter uh, is like the head kind of apostle, uh, and he's uh, kind of running the show, and, and he gets told to go to this Gentile community. He's like, I can't go to Gentiles. And eventually he has this vision where God convinces them that all people, of Antioch, the church of Antioch becomes a church of people from all different spaces. All that we see, as we mentioned on camp, we see the reversing of Babel, this place of the smashing of diversity. It is the smashing of diversity. It's empire in its earliest form, trying to destroy all diversity. But what we see in Acts chapter 2 is we see the gospel being proclaimed in all languages. It says that every person there heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own 
languages, which is birthed. Galatians, as we went through this year, we, we looked at Galatians chapter 3, where Paul says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is not one in Christ. The community, inclusive community. He creates laws of exclusion to separate people, to keep people out, to have people on the outside of this community of perfection that they're trying to build. But God imagines a community without walls that includes people from all people groups, of all languages, of all classes, of all genders, of all races. The reality, this is probably one of the places where the anticlimactic nature of the church, God is doing. Every people group, every language group will be worshiping together. The hope of what we believe God is building and the reality of what happens on the ground is often the same. So Paul has to rebuke Peter because he goes off track. The church goes off track time and time and through apartheid, Christians uh, living, coming to church, wanting to serve God, but living in spaces of exclusion. Even today, we have people migrating to different parts to make sure that we can have monocultural churches where we just gather with people like ourselves. There is a tension in the church between what we hope for, and the reality on the ground. Sometimes at Harbor City are going to get this wrong. It breaks my heart to even say that, that we're going to get this wrong. Diversity wrong. We're going to get inclusion wrong. We're going to create spaces that are going to hurt people sometimes, and hopefully we're going to have the maturity to repent of it when it comes to light. But my hope, the anticlimactic reality of what's on the ground that we will remind ourselves to pull back the curtains and remember that God is still working to build us towards His picture of a inclusive, he grows to become the church that it's called to be. The year as time goes on for all people of Durban, male, female, whatever exclude people. City without walls. That a city where we do not create barriers for entry to people who are different from us. Be an expansive and attractive community. Besides a city without walls, he prophesies a city that is so big that it can't be contained by walls. Exclusion. He uses walls as a picture of containment, that the, one of the reasons why there can't be walls is because Zion will be coming to it because God is at work there. The city is expansive. It is growing. It is growing beyond any walls that can... Because there is evidence of the life of God there that is attracting people to it. My hope for Harbor City, and actually one of our needs of community, that we would grow. 
Now, growing seems like the obvious thing. Everyone kind of thinks we want to grow. But growing is one of the hardest things to do. Because when you grow, someone sits in your seat that didn't know was your seat. And you know how frustrating that is. You come to church, like that's your comfortable space. It's your seat. It's over there. You're like, you know, when I come in, I walk, I go there. Like, and now you've got to find a new seat, and like, it's hard. Or you go and stand in the coffee line, and uh, you're used to standing in the coffee line and having conversations with three people because you know everyone, and all of a sudden you don't know people. You're like, who is this person? Who is that person? Like, growing becomes uncomfortable at times. My own daughter, who, to summer, Harbor City needs to grow. She was like, no, no, it does not. I was like, well, girl, need it happen. And, but she was like, no, I like it. I know everyone. My, my daughter's quite heavily introverted. It's where she knows everyone. Makes her feel comfortable. The thought of it growing makes her feel uncomfortable. Reality that when God's life is in a place, it is, becomes an expansive and attractive with one of my theological friends. And the debate that we would have week after week uh, an intense conversation after intense conversation is whether something is unhealthy if it's not growing. It was such an interesting debate because, like, how do you measure growth? Is it growth in people? How is, is it growth in this? Is it, you know, like, how do we measure? And we would go through, and it was such good debates. So I feel like it helped me uh, a lot in some of my thinking. But there was, there is a point where I think both of us agreed on that when God comes, when revival comes, when the life of God is in a space, there is always growth. People, because they are attracted to the reality of God, the midst of people. We want to be a church. We want to be a community growing. And it's growing because within the community there is health. Within the community there is life. Within the community there is evidence of God at work. Within the community there is healing. Within the community there is a river of life that flows into every sphere of our lives. That's our lives. That begins to be like a light, like a city on a hill. That tracks people to the evidence of God. God within that space. Ask you to pray that um, Harbor City would grow in 2023, that that would be one of our hopes. I've been struck by Jesus's uh, parable. He tells the parable of the feast, invites a whole bunch of people to come, and they don't come. They give like stupid excuses. And let's be honest, we've all heard some silly excuses, but I mean, they give stupid excuses, oh, I can't come, you know, of this, or I can't come because it's a golf day, or like, whatever it is, like, all these silly excuses that people give, and Jesus says, no, no, it must be full space and call people in, because the feast will be full. It was said of Jesus that his purpose was to seek and to save those who Seeing people come to God is part of the very purpose of God's community. Have a couple of events, courses, things to do to help be a bit more attractive to people, to reach people with the gospel. The final point is this. Is the last thing that Zechariah touches on, and he talks about this community being a sign of things to come. 
a people, is that we would be a prophetic people. Us as God's people would be countercultural. And I, I don't, and I've realized like why I don't like it is because when we talk about countercultural, we talk about a people always moving away from something. We're moving away from a particular culture. It's telos, is, is, its direction, its movement is just away rather than towards anything. People are different. A prophetic people are a people who hurt some things. And you know, you see those images and we like that. We're like, oh, the rebel, the person swimming against the tide. You know? like a prophetic people is not a people moving away from something. It's a people moving towards something. It's a people who get a vision of what God is doing and allow their lives to become a microcosm, a microcosm reality of what God is doing. A prophetic people begin to shape their lives now on the reality of what will be. Hear and know and understand of what God is doing and become the reality of that here and now. A prophetic people is the display of the anticipatory hope that we have in the world. A prophetic people is a people who just accept that the status quo, not just accept that the things that we've always kind of believed because of how we were raised are how they should be. A prophetic people are a people that come to grips with God's reality of what He is doing and begin to shape their lives in that way. People who are moving the reality comes that is in heaven. The reality of what we see would become the reality of our lives. People who stand against some of the oppressive status quos of society and say we have seen a different way of life living. Prophetic people is a sign for all the churches in Durban. would look and see the church. They would see it sign. Of things to come. Fortunately, too often the church has been a sign of things to come for sure, but not week after week as we go through the Gospels, as we look at Jesus, as we unpack the reality of his death and resurrection, we to the scriptures, as we pray in life groups. Week after week, we would become a clearer picture of the reality of God's kingdom on earth. But in this world, but we are not of this world. In Durban, but we do not have to be of Durban. Durban, living part of its reality, contributing to the good of society, being good citizens and neighbors, loving people, be of the movement of Durban, can be a part of the movement of kingdom lives around God's reality, which means being generous, it means being good neighbors, loving people, God means seeking justice, discipleship, becoming more like Jesus. And as we touched on when we talked about the 100-year vision of this city and hopefully for our future, it means church planting. As we said, church pl churches planted are catalytic to this process of God's moving. Paul says, 
It is through the church that God makes known His manifold wisdom. So it is through the church that God brings His kingdom into the earth. He says that one day the glory of the Lord will roll out across the whole earth, and it is rolling out, and it's rolling out through the church. But that part of being a prophetic people is not just realizing the problems that we face right now, it's realizing that part of the solution plants churches. It's to have vision, how are we going to solve this problem now? A 100-year vision, a 200-year vision, a 2,000-year vision. God knew what he was doing when he started the kingdom project with a group of 12 peoples planting anticipatory display of the anticipatory hope of the city of Zion here. Lives need to rebuild post-COVID. We're trying to find um, um, health, and we're trying to find growth, and we're trying to find God, and we're trying to, in the midst of what has been incredibly tumultuous time over the last few years, more like Zion, um, in the midst of his community. So community, diverse, it's life and a prophetic people. Can I pray for us? Close. Take a minute to ask God what it is He's doing with us as Harbor City as to we seek together with the team show us and lead us. Our eyes would be open. Hear what God is saying. We would give us a vision for unity, for your church, for what you're doing with Harbor City here for the city of Durban. Immediate need, immediacy of the problems in front of us, but that we would be filled with hope for the reality of what you're building. Come discouraged, we're over as we just faith um, in, in you at work, it's been smashed. I, I pray, Lord, that you would just stir us again. Lord, that you would help us become a city without walls, a city that is expanding and attractive and inclusive of God, a, a church in which you are present. Pray, Lord, in our lives that that would become the increasing reality, Lord. Struggling even right now, wondering if God even cares about going through. Oh, Lord, I pray that now by your Holy Spirit you would begin to touch, so you would begin to... To, to, to even tear back the curtains of things, to see how you are at work, to see how you do love, to see how you do care, to see your reality, Lord. Something of the last 12 weeks of going through the rebuilders says a community in our lives that gives you glory. In Jesus' name. We start a series, of, a small series just on Advent, preparing ourselves for Christmas. Um, preparing ourselves for the birth of Jesus. We start that, and uh, thank you for being part of the Rebuilders, and uh, it's uh, and, uh, Sunday. God bless.